and welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. My name is Richard Davis, and I am joined by my good buddy, Ethan Huffman. Now, Ethan, we have watched a string of Sunday games, and we are recording late Sunday evening. Now, Ethan, how are you feeling after watching nothing but basketball and Tiger Woods winning the Masters? Oh, Richard, when, when Tiger was playing golf today, I was uh, in the kitchen making making myself the meals for the day. Had my laptop on top of the fridge with my phone, like, balanced against the laptop screen. Basketball and Masters, it was fantastic. Just watching it all unfold, and uh, it's been a great day. And unfortunately, I won't get around to watching Game of Thrones tonight, but that'll be a tomorrow thing. But we'll get around to it. It'll, it will we'll complete a 24-hour window of some great television, uh, or 48-hour window of some great television for me. I, I am not quite into the whole Game of Thrones thing, although I understand it is literally everything to a lot of people at the moment. But what I will say is I had to put a pause on the Pacers-Boston game. I just said, you know what, I need to give my full undivided attention to Tiger Woods trying to historically win for the first time a major in 11 years. Now, as I did this, I also was not giving it my full undivided attention. What I was not, I was actually trying to cook some pancakes, Ethan. And (laughs) I was trying to cook myself some pancakes, but watched Tiger Woods. And I went through the first pancake, burnt it. I I mean, it it was borderline burnt, so I still ate it, but I wasn't happy about it. Then I decided, you know what, Tiger Woods, you're about to seal the deal on the 18th hole. Let me make myself another pancake, but really pay extra close attention. Ethan, same result. I burnt my pancakes. <laughs> However, Tiger Woods is a champion, and so it's a you know what pancakes had to take the loss today. Um, in addition to some other teams that are close to my heart, but yes, it was enjoyable to watch Tiger Woods uh, cl- close out and 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 just play really well overall this week, and it was it was exciting. Yeah, it was. It's quite a thrill. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to the uh, the old fairway rolling podcast. That's gonna be a that's gonna be a good one. I know it's already out, but I haven't uh, listened to it yet. But too many things. Uh, it, it is a great day, Rich. It really mm-hmm. was. Um, but let's let's not be we were remiss of our duties if we didn't talk to the people about the basketball games. Yeah. And so let's just go in as they as they happen. Pacers at Celtics. Uh, Richard, this game was um, competitive. Uh, up until the third quarter, and it's the and I would tell you that the uh, ten point margin at the end does not uh and does not show how badly the Pacers and Celtics both played, but the Celtics ultimately had a few more shot creators, a few more shot makers that led for them to win the game. Jason Tatum going three for three from three is notable because no one else in the entire game shot particularly well. Ethan, I just want to say that this score is right out of the mid-2000s. Honestly, it's probably a little bit high scoring for the mid-2000s. Someone got to 80, past 80 points. Reminds me of some good, like someone threw out a tweet earlier today that's saying that um, the lowest playoff scoring games were between the, uh, I believe, the Pistons and Pacers, uh, Pistons and Celtics and Pacers in Boston. And and, and so like it was like a th- all three of those teams were responsible for all that bad basketball. And we got to see more of it today. And uh, yeah, that third quarter, everything, like a lot of ones that almost in and out and just a whole bunch of bricks. And wow, it was it was really a spectacle to behold. If you and if you like that sort of thing, you know, if if the mid 2000s type of basketball really gets you excited and that third quarter was you were loving it. 
Yeah, and we can mention that, but like ultimately they they kind of did rely on the three a bit too much, and that's why I didn't think they ever got out of that funk. I would like to see Darren Collison be able to probe in and maybe get some different variety of shots for a Sabonis and for a Miles Turner when all your all your typical shooters are missing so so much. I mean, Doug McDermott. I think I saw all five of his attempts in the fourth, and it was it was a sight to behold on the um, the vast array of ways he could throw the ball at the rim and not get anywhere close. It was a bad showing. Um, I think the only thing to take away from this game is that defensively, Thaddeus Young and Miles Turner were were a menace on the inside. They they definitely shut down um, Kyrie Irving to an extent where when he was he was getting shut off and forcing some difficult shots. So that's the one positive I see for the Pacers, but offensively, there's nothing positive. I think Wes Matthews is about the only guy that I felt good about his shots when he's going up. Everyone else, like, it just it seemed like the defense was in in people's grill and actually forcing misses versus always the Pacers just missing the shot. Yeah, um, I mean, Boyan, you need to have more than 12 points. Uh, I mean, and granted, he has kind of become the scorer there, 12 points is not enough from well, who, who you envision to be your top scorer. Yeah, no, 12 points is not going to work when when you've been the you know leading scorer, the dominant scorer in a Victor Oladipo-less world. Um, the thing is, Bojan's not still not that guy. He He's capable, but ultimately he doesn't have the the, the quickness to get away from, from a Jalen Brown. He doesn't have the strength to finish through a Mark, Marcus Morris. Like we're, we're, He just has a lot of mismatches that he's – He's forced to go and attack, and it's just it's just not his game. Like I said, his his percentages from three this year are so impressive because he's creating shots for himself this year far more than he has any other point in his career. As this Boston team has been put together, the the way that it has been put together was specifically to target some of the best wings that we have in the game today. Think LeBron James, think Kevin Durant. So if that's the way this team has been built, and we're throwing out Boyan Bogdanovich then it's just not the best matchup for him, like you're saying. Um, defensively, this team, you know, you're holding the Boston Celtics, a team with a lot of a lot of scores, a lot of ways that they can put the ball in the hoop. You held them 84 points. Props to you. Thad Young, five steals. That's impressive. But like you said, the offense is not there. We're, what we're missing is a Victor Lodipo, and it's mm-hmm. just unfortunate that he's he's not really involved. But they've known this for a while. And, you know, they'll have to come out and just shoot better. Shooting 22% from three-point range won't cut it. Um, not in this series. Certainly won't. And so I just want to note one more time that, you know, Kyrie Irving went 6 or 17 from the field. He was forced into a lot of mid-range fading shots, and they didn't go in today. He shot reasonably low from three when he took them. I believe, like, one of his first makes of the day was from a pretty long three. Uh, Gordon Hayward, he had the same story. He was dribbling into shots that were contested. Th- those guys like Miles Turner, Sabonis, and and Thad Young kept people away from the rim and forced some difficult shots. But ultimately, they were eventually were kicking out to guys like Jason Tatum, who Jason Tatum which went three for three from deep and six for eleven in the game. He was doing some nice closeout dribble and mid range pull ups. Basically, I feel like I saw all five of his misses, and they were all I'm going to try to shoot over Thaddeus Young, which is obviously a poor choice. Another thing that Boston really took advantage of was free throws, hitting 18 out of the 22, whereas yeah, Indiana only hit 12 out of 21. And so of that, coupled with just a lot of a lot of bad, you know, missed three point shots. I mean, there it is. There's the game for you. And so um, with this 
with this kind of uh, situation after game one, Ethan, what can Indiana look to do if they're going to try to come back and win this series? I think ultimately it's going to come through a guy like Sabonis. Sabonis is going to have to be more involved in offensive creation. I think he needs him and Turner both need to be get catching the ball, free throw line down, doing some dribble handoffs, and also looking to attack and get to the rim. But mainly Sabonis. I think he's the one guy who has the strength to kind of hold up against an Al Horford or an Aaron Baines. Obviously, that's not a perfect matchup, but Sabonis has the ability to pass out and kick out for shooters if and when they get open. But I, I just think that the offensive imagination for the Pacers needs to needs to be enhanced if they're going to find if they're going to find a way to score with the Celtics. The Celtics, keep in mind, did not have a good game offensively either. Like both these teams are going to probably improve off this showing, but that doesn't necessarily help the Pacers because they both have such a big margin to climb back to their averages. Um, with that in mind, is this the lowest scoring? Uh, is this going to be the lowest scoring uh, series of this first round? Uh, I I still think so. Like, yeah, I don't think there's any other uh, pairing that's gonna gonna lead. I think the lowest scoring team will be the Detroit Pistons. Hey, but... hey, we we scored more than both of these teams today. Let's uh, be let's be clear I, on that. I don't think I don't think that will I don't think that'll hold up though. So just you wait, just oh. you wait. Hey, you know, I I'd, I'd love to see a competitive game. Like we only got one of those today. We did um, a real, like you know, con- consistently competitive game. The first quarter of this next game was not very competitive. <sighs> Ethan, let's go ahead and get to the Thunder and Blazers. Mm-hmm. Yes, very exciting game for me. I was very happy to see the Blazers get off the snide. Haven't won a, a playoff game in in the last ten tries. Number eleven. That's where we got it. Um, want to point out that this game was, you know, a lot of this game was won in the first quarter when we got out. The Blazers got out to a very big, very big lead uh, due to some really good rebounding by Ennis Cantor. My goodness. But, but I want all those people who are praised him for getting 20 points and 18 rebounds to also realize the reason the Thunder climbed back into this game is because they relentlessly attacked Ennis Cantor in the fourth quarter. And I think all points scored in the fourth quarter. It's obviously not true, but almost all points that weren't three-pointers were scored directly within his canter within five feet of the, the scorer. He was nowhere to be seen defensively in terms of effectiveness and really rode that hot sh- hot hand all the way to that final traveling scoop left-handed layup that somehow went in. I, it was a gross, gross thing. I, I'm so annoyed with Cantor. <laughs> so so let, let me just say, so first off, props to him and props to the Blazers for utilizing him and getting him his minutes, getting him those uh, points and boards all, you know, before the Thunder decided that they were going to take advantage of him. Um, you know, he was able to get in a full 34 minutes, um, yep. 20 and 15. Here's the thing, Ethan, and, and 18, uh, sorry, 20 points in 15 field goal attempts. Sorry, we're using NBA.com uh, statistics today because basketball reference, while they do us a solid always, we appreciate the fo- the folks there. They take about a day to get it up there because they got to they gotta go through all these advanced stats and figure out all that all that jazz. But 20 points, they ended up having, uh, he had 18 boards. But Ethan, if the Oklahoma City Thunder were able to take advantage of him in this way down into the fourth quarter, do you think that this changes something for them in the way that they approach it immediately out, you know, from the start in game two? 
Well, they need to because what they decided to do early in this game was let Steven Adams go to work. And while he was pretty effective, ultimately he did miss some bunnies that Russell Westbrook is less likely to miss, that Paul George is less likely to miss. And so I think they really missed a you know a point of the game where they could have not let things get away from him. Um, the worst thing about it for the Blazers is that unless one of their bigs, be Myers Leonard or Zach Collinsroy, steps up, neither of them played a whole lot in this game. They don't really have an answer for that because Myers Leonard is not a lot much better than Cantor at defense. He's a little bit better, and Zach Collins got bullied by Stephen Adams. So I just don't know where where the solution comes from the Blazers. But yeah, the, the Thunder should be able to attack Cantor the entire game, not just the fourth quarter. Well, I know where it comes from, Ethan. Scalabissier. Okay, I'm here for it. He's he's not a defensive dynamo neither. I know. I I just I just knew you would be here for it, Ethan. I mean, I'm always here. I'd like to see nothing but Zach Collins and Scalabissier out there. You know, Ethan, what was awesome was also seeing one Damian Lillard score 30 points today, shot 45% from three uh, on 11 three-point attempts. He was money on the offensive end as well as picking up three steals. Uh, CJ McCollum was also good to see him uh, healthy and really, really contributing, shooting um, uh, pretty well, especially from three. From two, not as much, but, you know, when you shoot 43% from three-point you let, it, you let that kind of slide. Also, having Seth Curry come in and uh, shoot pretty efficiently um, whenever he did take a shot, that was nice to see as well. The guards for Portland, well, I mean, outperformed the guards. Uh, basically, they just have Russell Westbrook out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, well, they outperformed those guys. What I need to see from CJ McCollum in the next game is not settle for – his like obviously he can get to that fading away mid range at any time. He can shake and bake with the best of them and get the space. But he's he got blocked a couple of times going to the rim, and I'm worried that that's going to dissuade him from continuing to do so. Jeremy Grant is a freak athlete. You you probably want to get him walking back and then pull on his pull on him. But um, ultimately, I think CJ does need a look to get get to the body, get contact. He missed I think three or four floaters this game, which is is an obvious detriment to his field goal percentage when you're. You know, missing shots from six feet out. I, I need to see that guy get into the body of people when he goes inside and try to get the free throw because he's an excellent free throw shooter. You know what was um, really exciting to watch if you were a Portland Trailblazers fan? What was that? Dennis Schroeder was exciting to watch. Because... <laughs> he's stinky. <laughs> like, so right when when the trade happened, I you know, podcast let's do is a Bill Simmons podcast. He was really excited about it. like, you know what? Dennis Schroeder is one of those guys who can go out and maybe win you a game in the playoffs. Well, it turns out, he also may be able to lose you a game in the playoffs as well. He shot yeah. as many times as Russell Westbrook, shooting 17 field goal attempts. But, Ethan, he shot 29% from the field. Zero percent. Zero of seven from three. Russell Westbrook shot zero of four. Not to be outdone by Dennis Schroeder, who shot 0 for seven. Dennis Schroeder is just one of those guards that doesn't have any one thing he's good at. He's not a particularly good assist man he's not good at getting getting or finishing at the rim and he's definitely not good at shooting and that's only you know exemplified by when he shoots off the dribble so yeah seeing him go over seven from three not surprising but seeing him take seven threes versus russ only taking four is also like that's a little shocking to me i think you gotta have a lot more discipline if you're doing shooter you gotta find your way to the rim hit yourself hit steven adams hit jeremy grant hit Nerlens noel when they're there because those guys are way better at finishing than you and they're more likely to, you know, draw some contact when if you make the pass at the right time, and you know, at least get to the free throw line a little more often, which he did not do either. Yeah, I mean, just 
not just him, the whole Thunder team. Uh, I mean, you're shooting 15% from three-point range. That's worse than the Pacers did. Um, obviously, they scored a bit more than the Pacers. But, yeah, it's just offensively, you hope that it does not continue in this way if you are uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. And maybe if you begin to attack Cantor a bit more, perhaps uh, you're able to open open the offense up more and be slightly more efficient overall. The concern, the major concern here is Paul George, though, Ethan. Uh, it was kind of a game-time decision. Uh, he was more injured than I I think I thought he was going to be coming into, into the season, uh, into this uh, playoffs. And, um, I mean, he put up some good stats. He, he played you know decently well. 42 minutes, though. Do you think this is something that he can continue to handle with his shoulder being the way that it is? Well, I think he can if he wasn't going up against guys like Mo Harkless and Alfred Camino, who their only intention is to slow down and monitor Paul George and how he plays. They're definitely selling out the Blazers, that is, on making sure Paul George does not beat them. And, I mean, plus minus, again, a flawed stat, but he, he was a net – he was even in this game shooting as poor as he did. So when he was out there, the defensive presence that he played with was obviously affecting the Blazers. His shots just were not falling tonight. Although he did hit a shot, you know, cut it to one, and Dame answered the next possession. Ultimately, it comes down to me that, you know, Paul George is going to be getting banged on by Mohawk was now for Camino. And because there's only one of him, they can, they can afford to do that. But if Russell Westbrook gets cooking, if they're attacking Canner, and then Paul George is, like, getting to be used as a supplement, like, all of a sudden this team can look a lot different. I'm not necessarily saying that Paul George needs – can't be the guy attacking Canner off the dribble – but Russell Westbrook obviously has the ability to burst through and get to the rim, you know, with relative ease. And I think you should get him going early and Paul George, you know, get be the catch and shoot option after the fact. One of the things that I'm not sure, I'll just have to kind of monitor this, but um, Paul George attempting 15 three-point three point attempts. And he had 15 of them, whereas usually he just has 10. Um, and something, the working theory that I have is that when sometimes when guys are injured but they're playing, they sometimes take, if they can take three-pointers, will settle for those more, those outside three-point attempts because it means less contact. And so that's just something I'm, I want to keep an eye out for with Paul George and guys like uh, Joel Embiid or Blake Griffin coming up, like these guys who are struggling with some physical ailments that we're very aware of. Uh, it, it's just something to keep a mind on, to keep an eye on as we go through this. I know I stay out of the paint nowadays because my legs aren't no good. Yeah, it's just like, hey, look, I've got a little bit of space. Let me check it. Let me fire it. And well, yeah, we'll, yep. we'll, 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 we'll keep tabs on that. People shoot before they can get to you. I like it. Um, Anything else you want to touch on with regards to this game before we get on to the next one? Nope. I'm ready to get on to the drubbings. All right. The drubbings. Let's start with one that is close to home here. The Milwaukee Bucks put a complete beat down on the Detroit Pistons. My Detroit Pistons. However, I can't say that I was super surprised, uh, you know, starting out of the gate 38 to 18 first quarter, but we knew about an hour before the game or half hour to hour before the game. No, Blake Griffin, Blake Griffin was not going to play. He was going to be out. He was in his maroon suit. And as soon as you knew that you knew that it's just not, it, it was not in the cards for us. You had to you start out Thon maker on Giannis and he made us pay for like the first two or three times down the court for that. And Thon was just no match for him. And mm -hmm. 
I mean, right off the bat, we we had no offense. I think Drummond got our first four points, but by that time they had already like already had like I don't know ten or ten or fifteen. It was rough, Ethan. Uh, we had no real way to get points uh, other than Andre Drummond, um, Reggie Jackson pick and rolls. And here's the issue for in, in my estimation. If if I can go ahead and wax eloquent about my yeah, team, go ahead. We usually start Bruce Brown. Because we need that extra defense. When we have Blake in there, Blake and Reggie Jackson, those are enough guys that are on the ball that we don't need more offense necessarily. It would let, it would be nice if Bruce Brown could spread the floor and shoot. But the reason why Luke Kennard comes off the bench for us is because we want him to be, when, he, when he's out there, to be able to have the ability to have the ball in his hands and to take over and shoot. Well, if there's no Blake Griffin and we have Thon Maker out there in place of him, then we can't have Bruce Brown because that is far too little offense. Mm-hmm. And so if Blake Griffin is not going to be there for game two and, and who knows with his knee, uh, then we need to have a change where instead of Bruce Brown, we need to have Luke Kennard. And I, obviously that's going to hurt the second unit, but you're going to have to do some staggering with um, Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, and Ish Smith. Dwayne Casey is going to have to figure out that rotation because without Blake Griffin, we don't have much offense, much way of getting any offense in the opening unit. Drummond's are by far our best player, but having your center, someone who can't shoot from the outside, being your main source of offense, it's difficult. And so those are my immediate thoughts about the Detroit Pistons situations. Yeah. Now, what this team is going to need to do, if they have any interest in making a competitive game without Blake Griffin, is they're going to have to go back in that Stan Van Gundy playbook and do some of that drumming from the high post stuff. I mean, it's not going to be as effective as what they've done most of the season with Blake Griffin running the show, but they honestly don't have any other options unless Reggie Jackson's going to turn into, you know, the best version of Reggie Jackson possible. Um, and he, I thought he played reasonably okay. Like he yeah. didn't have turnovers. You know, he got the ball to the people in some spots and, you know, shots didn't always go in. I would like to see him get a little bit more aggressive with his own jump shot. I feel like he settled for float uh, some runners and mid-range stuff that wasn't going to be effective. But ultimately, um, I thought he played okay. It's it's really hard when you're the only offense. No, it's there. it's true. He played okay for for it being what it was. I mean, he only scored 12 points, but he only played 21 minutes because it got out of hand early enough that we just said, "All right, let's just go ahead and rest our guys." Um, the thing is, though, Ethan, if Reggie Jackson's out there and he has to be the guy on the ball and it's not Blake, then we are doing a lot of those Andre Drummond, um, Reggie Jackson pick and rolls. And he's running towards the basket and he's got to hit up those, hit up those floaters. He's been able to shoot more three pointers when Blake's had it because Blake is able to find him when they send the double team. You don't have that as much taking only one three pointer is, a, is still a little bit, you know, shallow for, for, for my, for, for what I want. But if you do have under Drummond up near the post, uh, up near the high post, um, yeah, maybe you can do some of those dribble handoffs back from the Stan Van Gundy era. Maybe you can have him be become a little bit more of a facilitator as Blake Griffin has has kind of taken over those duties this year. Um, it's, but to be honest, without Blake Griffin, we don't really have a chance, um, and that's just that's just what it is. If Blake Griffin's not there, we don't really have a chance. But we want to make it competitive. One thing that we did do, I thought that I liked. We didn't do it all the time, but maybe Dwayne Casey's trying to hold off just because he knew that it was not in the cards today is Andre Drummond on Giannis Antetokounmpo. That matchup that you alluded to, Ethan, I, I guess you didn't allude to, you said it, 
um, in the in our last podcast, I guess two podcasts ago, uh, in the preview, he matched up pretty well when it was him as the primary defender on Giannis. Ethan, do you feel validated at all? Uh, validated at all, yes. Like I, I think you know it worked. The the three or four maybe Small sample size maybe eight times get this game it happened like. Ultimately, I think Giannis, when he grabs the ball and looks down at Drummond, and granted, he didn't have a need to be aggressive in this game. It was out of hand before I ever saw it happen. Yeah. But I do think Giannis is less likely to just barrel chest into Andre Drummond because there's there's going to be a physical play made. And obviously, on a rebound that Drummond was lax on, he he took out a little frustration with yeah. the, the shove of Giannis. And but ultimately, Andre Drummond, I think – and you know, I, I appreciate you and Shams kind of talking about this quite a bit because it, it kind of you know brought me to look at some replays, watch some some you know specific clips of games and matchups where I saw, hey, this is what Drummond does do really well defensively, even though I'm not buying all this all the seeds um, that you guys are selling. That's fair. I, I do believe that he does move his feet well, and he's obviously strong enough to take a hit from Giannis, which I don't think anyone else on this team, uh, other than Zaza. Is capable, but Zaza is going to hurt somebody. Yeah, but I mean, Zaza is just going to get stepped around, like, and, and right. so Drummond can move his feet um, laterally enough to so that he can stay in front. The one thing that I didn't like, and I think this will just take a little bit more practice from from Dwayne as he's working these guys and, and getting them ready, is that there was a couple of times where someone, some guard, would come and like set a screen on Andre Drummond, and for whatever reason, they switched. It wasn't even any screen. Like Giannis is still sitting up by the three-point line. And that switch, they realized, oh, oh crap, we should have switched because now, now I've got like Reggie Jackson guarding Giannis. And, and then by that time, uh, Eric Bledsoe had already gone off to the three-point line. They He passed it, and Eric Bledsoe knocked down a three. And so they need to work on that where no matter what happens, Andre Drummond is on there. Screen comes, drop Drummond because if you drop Drummond, well, you're still in position. Giannis can take an outside shot. Maybe it's not all the way to the three-point line. Maybe he steps in and it's a you know 18-footer or something like that. But still, you're in position and just have the guard chase the other guard away. Like there's there's no reason at all to switch when you've got Andre Drummond on him. He's big enough that you know, I just don't think that Giannis really really wants to do that. I mean, maybe today's game with them being up as much as they did, he took some you know he made some executive decisions. But I still think that he would like to avoid that contact as much as possible. However, Andre Drummond may have made him angry with the shove. And so maybe we will get a, a dunk uh, attempt uh, in this next um, in this next game, which I'm excited and a little bit scared for. <laughs> Quite possible. And the last thing I want to mention is you, you're talking about that the switches there that led to some open threes, you know, they, they only made four, uh, 35% of their 43 attempts. And so I'm, I, I'm scared to say this could get worse because if you keep giving them the books that many open looks, they, they might just make even more of them. Uh, the one other player I want to highlight is George Hill. George Hill played an incredibly competent basketball game, which I'm not sure I was sure was still capable from that man. Like he just really hasn't been the guy he was most in Indiana. He, he's been a lot more of the guy in Cleveland who couldn't make shots and couldn't defend anybody. But I thought he played really well today um, in his 23 minutes. And I know not all of it was competitive minutes. Most of it was not. But like, everything I saw from him was like, wow, he looks like he's moving fluidly out there. And George Hill being competent is is, is a scary thought for a team that's already pretty loaded. Yeah. Also, more things. Sterling Brown, I hope you just realize that when you're banging threes on us, you're already up by like 24. There's no need for that. 
Uh, oh, I mean for you. Richard, I, Richard, get out of here with your old man stuff. No, no, I'm, I'm not saying it's disrespectful. I'm just saying, please, please, just you're hitting too many threes on us. It was he, he was he shot really well, is what I'm trying to say. And um, it's it's unfortunate because you think Malcolm Brogdon's out, maybe they're not going to have the shooters. No, nope, he can still shoot. Yeah, I was also just I've also been disappointed that Sterling Brown's been in Milwaukee this whole time as they've you know acquired I more know. and more guards because I feel like he could shine a little bit if he got some burn, but nevertheless it's just not been the cards room thus far. All right, Ethan. Uh let's talk about the last game. Utah Jazz, Houston Rockets. Start. Yeah. Um I'm not I wasn't very impressed with the Jazz tonight. I I, I don't think they're I don't think they have the bodies to to match up with Houston. Ultimately, there's just too many explosive players that Houston has out there, and it's mainly just James Harden, Chris Paul, and Eric Gordon. But those guys all have off-the-dribble um, advantages against almost any matchup they find. Joe Ingles is either not quick enough to keep up with Harden, Paul, and Gordon, or you know Donovan Mitchell and Ricky Rubio get a little bullied by the physicality from from Harden and Gordon. Like ultimately, I just don't see the matchup. Royce O'Neal, I thought did did his did a really good job on Harden. He didn't foul, but he got beat all the time. Like he, they really tried to use that strategy of just st- sitting on that left hand. And uh, <laughs> James Harden has a cheat code for it too. He just steps away from you, buries it, gets to his right hand, and gets to the rim. Like it's it's just not fair. This guy's found the next level of offensive basketball in this in this association. And I'm sorry, Utah. You you you'll get. You're probably gonna get a couple games, but you not win the series. They 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 didn't have to change anything about how they were playing at all tonight. It was just a different guy catching and shooting off a Harden pass or Harden getting to the rim. Capella did pretty well with Gobert. I just nothing nothing good came of this game for Utah. Yeah, um, you know what's really interesting to me? It's like the the Houston Rockets were. You know, they lost Trevor Ariza. They they went out searching, you know, bring in Carmelo Anthony. That seems like forever ago, but you know, bring in, bring in all these other guys. Um, and none of them worked out. And then they, you know, Daniel House or Daniel House, I, however you pronounce pronounce it, uh, he comes out there and he attempts 10 three pointers today. He only made three, but uh, he's been shooting pretty well on the season. Um, just uh, a little bit over, uh, what is it, uh, 41%. Yeah, a little over 41% on from three. So uh, this team is where they need to be. Houston is doing everything they need to do. They just need to keep Chris Paul's hamstrings intact, which means that they need to do their best to finish this series as quickly as possible. Uh, one thing I noticed as James Harden was doing the ball in the defense, you know, there's been that that movement for teams when they face James Harden to just, uh, you know, take away his his um, left side allow him to go right. The problem is they do it so much that James Harden can literally take like a few dribbles with his right hand. Then he's beat them cross over yeah. his left hand, and then he's there. So you guys got to figure that out a little bit. You know, maybe not totally allow him to already have a step on you. It's just it's that's been rough. I just hope it, that they fix that. It's one thing to do that kind of stuff to a guy like Joe Ingles, who just doesn't have the speed to just blitz by you. James Harden is still like one of these. He's a prime athlete in the NBA. It's not. He's not just ridiculously skilled. This man can get off the ground for dunks. He can run past you. He can stop on a dime. Like it's not like a high school point guard where there and everyone out there's the same level of athlete. And you know you can sit on their right or left hand and make them do the other go the other way. 
this this guy's the best offensive player in basketball in terms of his individual effort on a nightly basis. Stephen Curry, I'd still argue, is more dangerous. But yeah, you, you can't you can't just play some some trick high school defense on him. It's not going to work. And it's not even like you're just saying, "All right, I'm going to cut you in half, and I'm going to be slide myself just to w- one side or the other." It's you're doing that, and then you are completely opening up. It's like you're forming a right angle with your body and his body, and you're just allowing him. You're just giving him a free path. It's it's yeah. really overkill, and so they need to figure that out. Uh, Chris Paul, glad to see him running around playing defense and uh, and staying healthy. He needs to continue to do that. And PJ Tucker, and Eric Gordon knocking down the threes. I mean, yep. that's what you need. If those those two guys, PJ Tucker and Eric Gordon, were exactly what you you ask out of them. Um, I thought Eric Gordon was really aggressive on closeouts, which which led to them. Uh, I th- I thought ultimately taking control of the game. Um, I think the matchup to watch, though, if there's anything that's going to change, is can Rudy Gobert get the upper hand on Clint Capella? So far, he has not. Clint Capella, you know, did a really good job focusing on boxing Rudy out of the on the offensive glass, and you know, he he got he got five, but he didn't get more, and that's that's a big deal when you're talking about a guy who's like seven foot three. Um, and if they if, if the Rockets if the Rockets score, I, I wish I had the the number in front of me if, if he got any of those when Clint was on the floor because I don't remember any. And obviously, there's some Clint Capella list minutes when their their tallest guy out there is Kenny Fareed, which is uh he's not particularly tall. Um, ultimately, Richard, um, this, this these these games I think can be a lot more competitive. This game was competitive up until the fourth quarter. Jazz went for their last gasp, and unfortunately, the Rockets pulled away without uh James Harden being on the floor. Um, I thought Austin Rivers did a really good job defensively on Donovan Mitchell when I saw him. Um, so that's that's disconcerting. If Donovan's getting forced into bad shots by Austin Rivers, like you'd think he could get a little bit better out of that. I thought Ricky Rubio played pretty well, honestly. Like he, you know, he didn't he missed a couple threes, but I felt like he took the shots he was asked to, and you know, didn't turn the ball over. I just don't know where the improvement's going to come from other than Donovan Mitchell just making more shots. Well, hopefully it's Joe Ingles making more shots and taking more shots and, and I, somehow I, get, you know, get, getting them off because he took four field goal attempts today in 32 minutes. Yeah, and Joe Ingles, you know I rep you. you gotta, that's not enough, bro. I got. I think that's kind of by design, though. Like they they gave Gobert a lot of leniency in in the paint to k- kind of get his stuff going. They were really focusing on not letting Joe Ingles be any kind of facilitator ball here. He got five assists, but like I feel like they were all on when he they get a closeout, he'd take a couple dribbles and then find Rudy inside. I feel like that was how every single one of his assists came. And I, you know, I thought Derek Favors like him playing some center minutes were were effective. Other than that, like I again, like I thought I didn't think this team played bad. It's just. They miss, they miss the shots they can't miss. And, you know, shooting 25% from three, it, that's how you're going to feel. Jay Crowder, he was the he had a bad game. He's the only person I'm willing to say had a bad game. Kyle oh, Corbett cannot play in this series. He can't defend people well enough. How about Raul Nutto? He can't play. No, yeah. Like, I, I just don't know what your point is. Like, Raul Neto is, like, the knockoff of all knockoffs of Ricky Rubio. Like, as much as I don't think Grayson Allen's the answer, like, he's the least athletic out there. Like, he's a body. He's going to trip somebody. Maybe you get something going. Oh, man. Min- miniature Zaza truly out there. Yeah. I Like I said, Richard, I just don't know where this team really finds improvement. Um, I, I Aside from, you know, not just not shading Harden on his entire left side of his body, like I think Royce O'Neal is good enough that he can stay in front of him a little bit, and if he can stay in front of him a little bit, maybe Gobert makes up the gap, Favors makes up the gap. I 
I am even more convinced that Derek Favors will be a really good starting center on some team next year, though, after watching him play today. Um, I, I, I want him out of Utah so he can maximize his potential a little bit more. Well, I That's guess that's for me. Yeah, I guess we'll have to see. Um, I, here, where, where can they improve, Ethan? They can improve with their nearly max max free agency slot this offseason. Uh, we hope that they can figure it out before then uh, and make it a series, but I guess we'll just have to see. Uh, see if we can shut down uh, James Harden. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> no yeah. one's figured out how to do that this year. Um, you know, Donovan Donovan shooting well from three and shooting poorly from the floor is is ultimately not not a great feeling when you're yeah. when you're and I'm not rooting for the Jazz. I don't think they have a chance against the Warriors, but I definitely want to watch competitive basketball. And I Donovan Mitchell, like I believe in you a lot, man. I I hope I hope you can get around um, Chris Paul and Austin Rivers better next time out. We'll have to see, Ethan. We'll have to see. Well, Ethan. Um, I think that's all for us tonight. Any parting words you got? No, but if if this if there's another blowout, I want more G- George Nang minutes. That's who I want to see more of. Oh boy! Well, we hope we don't have another blowout, Ethan. We hope a lot of these series become more competitive, especially I do with one of our with one of these series in uh, Detroit and Milwaukee. Um, but Ethan. Uh, at least we know that we'll be seeing some good basketball, if not in this round, some rounds to come. Some exciting matchups. Yet a, lot to to, a lot to look forward to in, the, in this postseason, no doubt. Indeed. All right, Ethan. Thanks for talking. Out of here.